So you can get a CRM and just set that up and then use that to build out, send email marketing. And that, that gets further down the road, but start to actually just collect data on each person that you're working with and use that to further conversations and start to realize how you can plant those seeds, whether they enjoy a local coffee shop or they're a huge fan of their foodie or they love an NFL team or whatever that looks like, finding things that they enjoy and using that data to plant those seeds is important. So I think get a CRM, you know, figure out, start adding people in there, existing connections, people that are new, and then start to build out your CRM, start to learn how you can use that better. And then effectively within the next year, you should be able to have this kind of referral engine that you can start marketing with. This is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, a serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where we help startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com. We're always here to help. Now, today we have another great guest on the podcast, and this is an expert episode, which is uh, always fun because we get to dive into a variety of different areas of expertise, and today is no exception. So we're going to be talking a bit with uh, Caleb uh, Roche and uh, a lot about referrals. So how to grow with referrals, to doing or whether or not to do adver- online advertising or whether you grow your business with referrals, how to ask for them, how to plant seeds with them, how to, in, in line with that, how to build a, a good customer experience and what that marketing strategy might be and uh, a few other things I'm sure along the way as well. So with that much as an introduction, welcome on the podcast, Caleb. Thanks, Devin. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. So now I've just gone through just a, a quick uh, run through of a bit of what we'll uh, talk today as far as uh, expertise. But before we dive into that, maybe uh, share with the audience a little bit about yourself, why you're an expert on the episode or on this uh, this area and uh, why they should listen to you. Yeah. So as you said, my name is Caleb Roach, uh, located in Edmond, Oklahoma, just north of Oklahoma City. Um, it's kind of a small town, not really. Um, and I own a marketing consulting firm. So we help small businesses all the way up to hundred plus million dollar organizations, figure out their marketing strategy and what they need to do. Um, what makes me the subject matter expert sometimes, sometimes I, it, people ask, you know, what, what makes you qualified to say this? Um, and previously, before I worked in marketing consulting, um, I did product insights and consumer insights for a large major brand um, where we studied kind of the, what, what consumers wanted from that brand in regards to product differentiation what different products they actually wanted um, and how to actually improve those. So I have kind of a history of um, helping a brand improve their product line and meet what their consumers are wanting, which has helped me improve my business and other people's businesses um, through what I learned at that, those, that experience with that company. Awesome. Well, I think that that's uh, definitely a, a great background and uh, certainly a great area of expertise. And I'm excited to cover it because I think, you know, this on the general area of referrals, everybody knows in, in you know, deep down or maybe not even so deep down, referrals are a great source. I mean, you hear about it on marketing all the time in that, you know, referrals are going to be one of the best, you know, best, you know, first, probably the very best is just re- repeat customers because then, you know, they already, you already have an established relationship with them and they've, and you've already worked with them before. But I'd say right on the tails of that is if you can get somebody to say, hey, this guy does a great job or this guy is, you know, is worth it, is weight and gold type of a thing, then that is a great impression to start out with and it sets you off on the right foot to begin with. And yet it, it's, while it's in, invaluable and people know it, 
it's oftentimes a hard area to figure out how to get referrals, how to ask for referrals. Should you ask for them or should they be organic and kind of all of that? And I thought when we or chatted a bit before, one of the main things that you guys have done to grow your business has really been primarily on referrals. So maybe walk us through a little bit of, you know, a, a quick overview and we'll dive into and have a good discussion. But, you know, how, how do you go about basing your business on referrals? Yeah. And I, I mean, it's one of those things, like you mentioned, it's, it's definitely cheaper to keep existing customers and gain new customers. And so, you know, if, if you can build kind of a, an infrastructure or system around keeping, you know, customers as you acquire them and focus on that customer that you acquire before you're even focusing on new client acquisition is important. And so what I did when I first started the company was I found people that through referrals, because you know, I was kind of young in business. And so I didn't know, do I do digital marketing channels? Do I, as a marketing company, do I just get a bunch of like random online businesses that I can market? Or do I focus on my local area and how I can help local small businesses? And so, you know, to be honest with you, at the very beginning, it definitely wasn't a profitable model in the first year because, you know, a lot of referrals and a lot of building connections with people is giving more than you get. And so you have to keep this mindset of, when I talk to people, I want to provide as much value into their life and their business as possible without expecting something in return or even hinting that I want something in return as well. And so obviously in the long run, you expect that ROI to pay off. But when you talk to people, especially if you're expecting referrals or want to build kind of a referral base, is you have to expect no one to ever refer you. And when they do, you have to be super excited because I've seen a lot of people, I don't know if you've had this experience in your lifetime, but um, I've worked with them and they seem excited about my business and how they can provide value to my life. And then all of a sudden um, they're expecting things from me or the, the conversations that are happening seem kind of intentional that they're wanting something out of me. And so it, it leaves me a bad taste in my mouth. And so it's kind of a, a balance that you have to have on um, building a, you know, it, like I said, a, a non-profitable business for a little bit on building connections, meeting people where they are, getting them Starbucks gift cards, bringing them something that they like, identifying things that they can, you know, resonate with and kind of build that trust in that relationship and eventually start to show your expertise and skills and how you can help them. And then in return, that hopefully leads them to having a situation where they've identified, hey, I need his services or I know someone that needs his services. Um, because as I'm sure you've seen, you know, you don't want to come across as this guy that I can help you out. And in the long run, there's some expectation down the road that you didn't realize that there was. No. And I, I think that, you know, that's, uh, I'm always slightly jaded. You know, you see that and it's whether it's on LinkedIn and people reach out and want to make connections or, or they get, shoot you an email or connect up and say, Hey, we just want to add value to your network and let you know, and blah, blah, blah. And, and you know, usually the subtle underline is, is, Hey, I want to pitch you our services because we, you know, we think you can benefit from them, which, doesn't come across as genuine. It just comes across as, hey, the only reason I'm connecting with you is to get as much money from you as possible. Now, the opposite, and one of the things I wanted to circle back with that you talked or touched on was, you know, it is something that takes a long, it's a long, at least in my experience, a longer lift to get there. In other words, if you want to start out with referrals, you're not going to likely have referrals on day one, right? You're not going to be able to, um, get those referrals to where they're going to just simply flood through your door on day one, because one, you haven't built the relationships and two, it takes a while to cultivate those relationships and to plant the seeds and to, you know, build all that pipeline. And until you do so, 
you're not going to have those referrals. So it is a longer term strategic plan. And yet the issue that a lot of people have is great. That's long in the long term that works out wonderful. And on the short short term, how do you, you know, how do you keep the business in a float or going <laughs> so that you don't go out of business while you're waiting for those referral pipeline to start to build? So when you guys, when you were, you know, because now as I understand it, you guys heavily rely on referrals and that's where a lot of business was coming from. When you started out, how did you keep the business going as you were building those referrals? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's definitely a balance because, and that's where we, you know, within our business model, we've seen a lot of agencies heavily rely on, you know, advertising models to gather business in, which is a good thing, but then they're not, you know, retaining customers and it's kind of a, you know, bring in and burn out as quick as possible, get as much money. And so it's definitely kind of a, you have to have a a multi-level plan within there. And so as you're building, you know, as you're building referral partners and people that are coming into your business, you definitely have to work on lead generating outside of that as well. So you have to get your at least short-term customers that are going to pay your bills. And so what I had to do was we did a lot of, and we still do online advertising, get people in the door that we can make a, you know, an offer that isn't a promise, but just how can we help you and build upon that? Like we have a free strategy session per se for our business model. And so we help business owners under, under understand what they need. We don't sell them, but we do at the same time. And so we give them a plan of action and most business owners don't have the time or they don't want to, you know, expend the resources that it takes to build that plan or, you know, implement that plan within their business. And so they can hire us to do that. And so we had to build business model around acquiring these short-term customers that have turned into long-term customers, but then at the same time, making sure that we're not spending too much energy on the lead generation side that we're forgetting our referral partners. So it's kind of a juggling act. You know, you have your referral partners and you have this, you, you got to keep the bills paid and you got to keep, you know, the lights on. And so balancing how much revenue am I coming in this month? How much, how many am I, you know, leads am I generating and how much new business do I have? But at the same time, how much time am I actually able to spend with my referral partners? Because as you said, it's a long-term relationship. I have people that I've nurtured for a year that are just converting now. And not that there was a time frame associated with that, but you know, here they are a year later realizing, holy cow, he can provide value to my business and it's helped them out down the road. But it's not something that you can pressure someone into or you can't force it down their throat on this is the value I provide. And so, like you said, it's, it's a balancing act. You've got to have the business coming in. But in the long run, like for our business past you know, two years, we've seen the referrals coming in at a you know, much higher rate than we have. And so now we've kind of like lowered our advertising channels, always getting new business off advertising channels. But we're really heavily focusing on you know, putting dollars into refer like referral partners, them like giving them some incentive to refer us because we've seen it be so profitable from them. So now you just touched on so a couple th- or kind of follow up questions to that. So one is, what would you say? And I know I'm sure it is industry a bit different depending on the needs and services you're offering. But at least for you guys, when you are starting to set things up for referrals down the down the road or in the future. How long was it within your business when you start before you started to see referrals start to come in? I mean, it was a solid six months before we actually saw a pretty good ROI on um, everything we got in. And so, you know, within the first six months, we'd get a couple trickle in, but it was still kind of scrambled on people not knowing what exactly you do or kind of a, <clears throat> a soft pass. And so that's where we kind of built upon the referral model of making sure because I, within referrals, you have to keep a couple of things into account. You've got to keep the referrer updated on the status of that because they want to know that when they refer you that you're taking care of the referral. Um, two, 
making sure that they're educated on exactly what services you provide, your price points, all of that as much as possible. And three, obviously creating that into a system where it doesn't take as much time off your hands. And so for us, first six months was people would for us, hey, do you do, um, you know, X? And it was like completely outside of marketing. You know, do you do like laptop setup? And we we're like, no, we are we're a marketing company and people associated IT with marketing. So it took us six months to tell people we're not an IT company, we're a marketing company. Um, and for them to actually understand that. So it was about six months before we started seeing a positive ROI on what we were doing. And then within a year, um, we got about 25% of our um, incoming new business to be referrals. And then this past year, it's been about 75%. So uh, over the past three years, it's, it's shifted dramatically from, you know, a small amount to referrals to heavily. Now, just that, uh, kind of follow up that out of curiosity. So what were you doing during those first six months to plant the seeds? Because just simply making connections you know, better than nothing, don't get me wrong, but if all you're doing is just simply making connections with individuals, but nothing more, it's difficult to convert them into refer, or for them to refer, oh, yeah. or even to ask for referrals. And it seems like you almost have to kind of plant those seeds along the way so that when, because you never know when they're going to have the referral pop up, when they have someone in mind that they're going to say, hey, you should check them out, or someone asks them, do you know this person? So what were you doing to kind of plant those seeds or kind of prepare the people that are likely to go in and give you a referral. So when that opportunity comes up, they're thinking of you. So it's like that you put it really well put because, you know, it's, it's not something that you can just put them on a, an auto trip plan and they're going to like convert like crazy. Um, you know, there's a lot of, I did a lot of handwritten thank you notes, especially after meeting with people. And so, and I, I, you did a great job after the first podcast. The one thing that I really appreciate about you as a host is you actually sent me a thank you card and it was handwritten and that, that really made a cool thing. And so you resonated in my mind. And so after meeting with people, sending them a handwritten thank you note with some sort of like, it was great meeting you. I love your business model. And not just a generic, like, thanks for taking the time to talk, really finding something that you really enjoyed about that person. And then finding ways within the next six months that you can strategically bump into them or think of them, you know, top of mind, whether that's, you know, you're, you're by their, their office and you've got coffee in your hands. What kind of coffee do you like? Or, hey, I've got a Starbucks gift card that I'm not going to use. Would you like one? Or, you know, asking them to go to lunch. And when you go to lunch, not talking about your business and asking them about the different parts of their business to where they leave that lunch. And they're like, we didn't talk anything about Caleb. And we, you know, I felt like I talked all the time. I, I want to learn more about his business. And so all of it is just strategic. There's no malice intent behind it, but getting people to feel like, you really listen to them, that you are there for them, and you're going to provide these, this consultative approach to when you, you listen to their business, that's going to make a, a huge impact. So obviously, industry and by industry, it, it, it changes. But the biggest piece is just staying front of mind, finding ways that you can pop into that business owner, find a way that you can call them, check up on them without having your business included, brings that value to where it's three months into that six months, they're going to start asking about your business and caring when, you know, you've given, 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 it's like that, um, is it Gary Vaynerchuk, hook, hook, right jab, um, always provide that value and kind of bring in. And that at, at that point where they kind of have that realization that, holy cow, I don't know much about his business and he knows everything about my business. That's when the shift happens. And that's when it's like, holy cow, I like this guy. No, and I, and I think that there's definitely a lot or a lot to that. And I think that, you know, a lot of what you kind of covered is there's an intentionality. In other words, it doesn't need to be that you simply to say, hey, well, I don't want to be salesy and I don't want to be pushy, which I agree. I don't think that that's the right way. 
but it does have to be okay. What are these small touch points or the small seeds I can plant? Maybe it's to say thank you. It's a bumping into them. It's, you know, having a reason to connect up with them that isn't just simply pitching you and your services, but rather is it, you know, feels much more genuine and kind of just builds that relationship. Now, the one thing I'll caveat is, is, you know, the, the opposite of what I've heard. And as I have mentioned multiple times is, is for listeners on the podcast is, I love to listen to podcasts and I don't just listen to like law firm podcasts. I also love to listen to other ones that I think have a lot of insight. And one of them was with uh, real estate and it's called the real estate marketing dude. And the reason I listen to them is mark real estate. People have to be good at networking and marketing if they're going to stay because it's a very crowded market. And one of the things that he talks a lot about is, you know, people do need to know what you're doing. Not that you don't have to pitch them hard, but he gave kind of the example. And I think he was at a bar or out to dinner with a friend. And, you know, the friend was talking about how he just referred this, you know, and he was in obviously the guys in real estate, but referred this or this whole sales of a house over to this really hot chick. And I, that's his words, not mine. So don't take it. <laughs> um, but, you know, it was kind of he just going on about how he was hoping to get a date with her. And it was so great. And then he turned, you know, the guy turned to his friend and says, I'm in real estate, too. And he's like, oh, yeah, I kind of forgot about you. That kind of thing. And it was like he didn't, you know, he would have happily referred it over to a friend. But because he didn't ever have a top of mind, he's referring it over to someone he's hoping to get a date with rather than his friend that he would want to help out with simply because it wasn't top of mind. So it seems like there is that balance where you have to have some intentionality to where you do are top of mind or that they do think of you when they need that referral. And yet it's not so, so you're not pitching them and hitting them up so much and trying to hard sell them to the point that they're turned off and say, well, I never would want to use them if that comes up because they drive me nuts type of the thing. Yeah. And I'm assuming you probably didn't get the date either. I'm assuming. So <laughs> <laughs> they never finished that part of the story. So it'll, it'll yeah. be, I guess uh, it'll, we, we could just choose our own adventure as far as yeah, you can, out. you can choose your own point of view. Um, so what the one thing that I've learned, um, and as you probably know, running a very successful business, a lot of it is learning. And so there's no perfect approach that you'll ever figure out. And so for me, I learn better when I have situations like, cause I've had situations like that happen too, where people are like, man, I, I paid someone like $3,000 to build me a website and it was garbage. And I'm like looking at them I'm like, you know, I build websites, right? And they're like, oh, I thought you, you just did advertising. Oh, yeah. And like, oh yeah. So, you know, you learn situations like that. I think it, you know, you don't want those like major failures all the time, but I think major failures like that, where you, you have someone realize and you're like, I was not intentional enough about telling this person my service kind of teach you like the ways, okay, I was a little too bearish on this. Like I was kind of too timid. So here's how I'm going to change that. And I think it's always changing things because as, as you probably know, like there's no perfect strategy to how to influence people or how to win people because people are so different that it's kind of an adjustment game of sometimes some people really prefer you to be more aggressive and you learn that through that relationship. And some people are like, if you try to sell me, I will never be your friend. And so you have to find like this balance of, how do I tailor and adapt it to each person? And like you said, I mean, it's it's one of those things that's kind of testing and changing on how do you balance, you know, having situations occur where people refer you and they know what you do, but at the same time, not having that situation like you, you know, you recommend like make sure that doesn't come up as often as you're getting business. And it's a fun balance because some people, you, you can tell them to your blue in the face that I do marketing, I do marketing. I have people that I've known for two years and they pick up the phone like, so how's the IT business or how's the sales consulting business? <laughs> like, and you're like, we've been, we've known each other for three years. I can tell everything about your business and yet you can't tell me. And it's just some people, it doesn't resonate with them. You know, they don't, they don't have the mind space to think about you. 
No, and I, I completely agree. And one of the things that I think that, you know, makes it and what we touched on is it's that kind of consistency. And that's why a lot of times, you know, people will send out, whether it's doing a podcast, they will send out newsletters and it's a very soft sell and you're trying to provide value and you're trying to provide information and it's that subtle reminder of, hey, I'm in this field, I'm doing these services while not having to pitch the service. If all you're doing is sending out a newsletter every week saying, hey, we've got this great sale or come use our services or here's our prices. Absolutely nobody's going to want to pay attention because they get those, you know, it gets or throughout, it gets clumped in with every all the other junk emails that they get. But if you're saying, hey, we've got something that's a podcast, it's just a, or something that provides value to you and is helpful, or we've got a newsletter that really provides information that you would be helpful to you, or it's, you know, you provide YouTube videos, or you do TikTok or Instagram, whatever it is, but you're not hard selling, but you're continuing to maintain those relationships and those connections, definitely, I think, uh, adds a lot of value there. So shifting gears just a little bit, uh, kind of, I think, along the lines of uh, referrals, but it, I think it almost sets up for referrals down the road, which is kind of building a client experience. In other words, if the client is, doesn't have a good experience with you, they're very unlikely to send a referral your way later on, even if they know about you because they're saying, oh, that wasn't a good experience. And I get that all the time as lawyer. You know, lawyers have most lawyers, law industry in general doesn't have a stellar reputation. Most people don't <laughs> like lawyers or they all have their own lawyer joke and they all have, you know, something that uh, their lawyer story to share. And most of the time it's not favorable. So it is on the one hand, it's hard to overcome that bias. And on the other hand, if you provide that good experience, it sets a stage for setting yourself apart because you stick out that much more of having a good experience. And so as you're kind of building that experience in the anticipation, both for referral and for helping the client in general any tips on, or any thoughts or tips in, on that on building that client experience yeah so from my perspective you're going to make a lot of mistakes and it's always going to be something that you're optimizing um, that's something that we're learning still on you know there's things that you think will be a great idea or things that you try to implement and it, in theory it sounds like a great idea and it turns out terrible or you can't implement it so the biggest piece of building a customer experience that i've learned is executing your ideas. And so an idea is only as good as you execute it. And so you can come up with all these great ideas. They're always in your head on how do we make a better customer experience? But the biggest piece of actually having that customer experience positive is actually executing on your ideas. And so something that we've kind of learned is adjusting and executing. So we'll execute an idea like we've we implemented, you know, a couple months ago, we started doing monthly reports sent to our clients with everything. And so instead of just calling them and saying, hey, here's so a rundown of how it's going, you're having just kind of an informal phone call. We made it more formal and here's a, a, a report, here's a client portal that you can view all your instant, instant data. And so we started sending those out weekly. Um, and from our team, it became pretty tedious from a cost perspective and a resource standpoint. And so what we did was we cut it down to monthly. Well, of course, some of our clients that were getting it weekly go, where's my weekly report? And so for us, it was identifying, hey, we had to adjust you know, our execution because it was, it was interfering with the work that we were able to provide in the level of service. Now, once that happened, that experience went better. But for us, we started seeing that our customer experience was going down because we were putting too much effort into this program that we didn't need for weekly. Because in marketing, weekly versus monthly doesn't make a huge difference. If they want to know more weekly, they can call us. And so, um, but we saw that our experience was lacking because we spent so much time on this weekly thing that we were, we were taking away from the actual customer work. And so for us, 
it was finding out we need to adjust on that and then execute on that and then adjust continually. So we're we're changing back to biweekly now and looking at what that looks like. And so it's always adjusting and identifying that your customers will always be, you know, there's always, I think Mark Cuban puts it, there's always someone work outworking you to get your customers. And so what are you doing to outwork that person? And so you always have to continually look at how am I providing more value to my clients without, you know, unrealistic value of I'm losing money or I'm putting way too much work into this for, you know, nothing back. But at the same time, you have to think there's always a newer, better company. And so what are you doing to encourage that customer to stay with you, to appreciate them for them being a client, because there's a million other businesses just like yours that you might have a little bit of a difference, but they're all basically the same. And then C, it's actually, what are you doing to keep them in as a customer as well? So always improving on the value that you provide, new systems that you can implement, how many times are you actually talking to your customer? How much does it make sense? Um, at the same time, making sure that you know the systems and services that you provide are actually tailored around what you want. Because you know, I've seen this. I don't know if you've seen this in the law world, and you've you've done an incredible job of like differentiating what business owners need. But identifying products that not trying to sell products on something someone that they don't need. Because I don't know if you've seen. I'm sure in the law world it might work a little bit like this. But for the social media for the marketing world you know, marketing firms push social media all the time. And so it's like, you need to be on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and you need to pay as much money. Well, for a small business starting out, it might be a great idea to try to go viral. That might be a great strategy. But in the long run, paying that money to, you know, for someone to handle all those different channels probably isn't the best idea. I mean, Twitter for a small business, it's there, unless you're a service-based industry that you need a support channel, it's probably not the best channel to put all your energy and money into. And so, you know, building products around what does this person actually need starts that experience better because then you're not trying to make up a way for that business to continue your service because they're not seeing the ROI from that. But in, in turn, you're setting them up for success by putting them with the right product or service, setting up the process to where as they interact with your business, you're giving them the best touch points. And the other piece of customer experience that I think is important is when you do make mistakes or you have a hiccup or they're not happy, identifying and apologizing right away is huge. Um, for our business model, we've seen that. We've made a couple of mistakes with some clients. And instead of pushing off the burden of, oh my gosh, that was a tech error. I don't know what happened or, because you can do that within most businesses. You can say, oh, X happened, X happened. We're so sorry. I don't know how that happened. But actually identifying that we made that mistake. Here's what we're doing, remedy it. And then this is what we're going to do to you know, ensure that this doesn't happen again. That's an important piece too, because a lot of people like to pass the blame and that never goes well. And so all those things, I think, really combine for an incredible customer experience and just learning. Because I mean, I don't know if you read Jim Collins, but Jim Collins has wrote several books on you know, building a business that lasts and all these companies. And the ones that succeed sometimes struggle or they sometimes go up and down and up and down. They're always continuing to add that value that people want, not just trying to push out this product or service that they're making money off of. Yeah, no, you hit on a ton of things, I think. And I, I, yeah, I am a, a big uh, uh, lover of uh, a lot of the, the Jim Collins books. I, I love the the Good to Great, and that's a, definitely an iconic book. And he has a lot of other great ones out there. But, you know, I think you hit on a lot of uh, things along the way. And the one that I always kind of take away is, one, I agree with you, or I guess I'll I think that building or continuing to try things out and test them is a worthwhile endeavor. Now, the thing that you have to be, Willing to understand is that not every program you put, roll out is going to be a raving success. Not everything is going to work out perfectly. And sometimes you are going to inevitably hit those errors to where 
It is going to, I don't know, create a bad user experience. Most of the time you can avoid that, but it may create a suboptimal in the sense that the new program or the system, either one doesn't work as well as you thought or two has glitches or unanticipated consequences. I don't think that should stop you from trying things out. But I think to your point, when you hit those things where it doesn't always work out perfectly or doesn't always you know, work out as, as anticipated, then to be a bit or to be more transparent rather than trying to hide the ball or make up excuses to say, hey, this is a new program or something or system or something we're trying out and appreciate the feedback. We are looking to always make it better and improve it and trying to adjust it. And we apologize that this is didn't work out as it was anticipated. And here's what we're doing to fix it. And you know, sometimes you have, you know, you offer them if it's a mess it up on their, you know, on their particular project, maybe offer them discount or sometimes just enough of the, hey, we're sorry and we're working to fix it. Sometimes I think it even in, in provides a bit more of that genuineness to it. Hey, they're not perfect, but that's awesome. They're trying new things out and trying new programs and trying to make it better. I certainly appreciate that from the customer perspective and just having a bit more of that uh, transparency, I think is uh, definitely worthwhile. Well, I think too, um, you know, when, when it comes to, you know, people, the, the thing businesses don't, I think, understand and I'm still learning to understand this as well, and I have a lot of anxiety around it a lot, is businesses that are purchasing your services or products, they don't understand what's going on in your organization. And so if you're rolling out, let's say this client reporting software that we had, you know, they don't see the time that it takes or they're not seeing that. So for, for their perspective, they think it's just three clicks of a button and they're done. And so explaining the process, what went into that and the time that it takes sometimes actually works out because they're just mad because they think that you're just being lazy. And in turn, you're like, Hey, we've spent 35 hours this week. You know, we've been up till 1am trying to figure out the code for this. And we can't, they don't see you staying up until 1am. They just see the, Oh, I'm not getting my report or I'm not getting X. And so, um, you know, I think part of it too, like to, to go off of what you were saying was you have to explain, this is what we did. And, you know, this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to build this better customer experience. And this is where it went wrong, or this is what happened. And so explaining your perspective without being like, this is not our fault is huge because then it gives them a better perspective of, oh, wow. Okay. He was spending a lot of time on this that, you know, sometimes that, that doesn't happen, but most of the times it does. <laughs> no, I think that's absolutely, you know, most times they're not going to want the excuse of this isn't working, but it's more of, hey, this is what we're doing to make because I'm, a, you know, it's interesting to, to make a, most of the time people don't necessarily understand or anticipate to make a simple, good user experience takes a lot more work than to make a complicated multi-step everything else. And, you know, the, that's why when people, this is simple, it should be straightforward. It's like, no, there's a lot of work to make something quote unquote simple because usually the simple approaches take a lot more work on the back end to give that appearance and that simplicity makes it much more difficult than a, a complicated thing that on the front end has a whole bunch of complexity and makes a bad user experience. And so I think there's always a bit of trade-offs and we could we could talk about this for a long time, and I'm sure it would make, it'd be a very fun conversation, but we'll try and keep the podcast to a reasonable amount of time. So as we're <laughs> starting to, to wrap up, you know, I always have one question I ask at the end of each expert episode, which is, if, you know, we talked about a lot of things. We talked about referrals, planting seeds, user experience, and they all kind of go together, but there's a lot of things that people could or should be probably doing as they continue to ramp up their system and continue to uh, build out their referral network. But if they could get started with just one thing today, what kind of one takeaway that they could start to execute on, what would that one thing be? 
So if anyone's not using a CRM right now, customer relationship management software, if they're wanting to get in you know, networking groups or referrals, the biggest piece that they can do is get a CRM. There's millions of them out there, as you probably know. <laughs> I've spent a lot of time and don't spend too much time, like just get something that you think is going to work and work off of it because I spent hours and hours, probably days trying to find the perfect CRM and never found it. <laughs> it doesn't exist. <laughs> it doesn't exist. There's always something that it does too much or does too little. Um, and so find, take it from my experience, just find something that looks like it works, figure it out. Don't try to add too much complexity, get a CRM and start adding the people at your meeting in there and add as much information as possible, where they live, where they work, what they work, what they do for work. Any notes, if you have a conversation, add them in. If there's the CRM has a note section, add a note section, add whenever you have phone calls, add phone calls in there, what you talked about, because the more data that you can get, that you can have in those conversations, you know, you, you heard that their son is sick or they're, they're, they're going through a tough time or being there and actually remembering those conversations is huge. And so if you can get a CRM and just set that up and then use that to build out, send email marketing and that, that gets further down the road, but start to actually just collect data on each person that you're working with and use that to further conversations and start to realize how you can plant those seeds, whether they enjoy a local coffee shop or they're a huge fan of their foodie or they love an NFL team or whatever that looks like, finding things that they enjoy and using that data to plant those seeds is important. So I think get a CRM, you know, figure out, start adding people in there, existing connections, people that are new, and then start to build out your CRM, start to learn how you can use that better. And then effectively within the next year, you should be able to have this kind of referral engine that you can start working with. No, and I'm a, a big believer of CRMs. I think that now, I think they can be way overutilized and you can have so many drip campaigns and trickle campaigns and follow-ups and everything else that it can go to the opposite extreme of you're saying, we're going to do everything automated. I'm a big, you know, I'm a big believer in automation, but I think it has to be done right. So I think a CRM, as far as helping with your business is going to be a great tool, but it has to be one of those that are done right. They're implemented, you're thoughtful, kind of going almost back to the user experience. It should be adding to the user experience, adding to your ability to help them and to provide their service to them and not just a way that feels like it's a cheap sales engine that's continually to bother people. No, and I, I like the second point of is, you know, getting going with something is the first step. Even if the CRM that you pick is not perfect, you know, end up switching and we did that. We started out with HubSpot because it was the you know, high end and we thought it would be everything. And it was, it had a lot of good things into it. We just recently transitioned over to a different CRM, which is more specific to our needs, but it was one that, Hey, we still, i still was, it was great that we used HubSpot. It was great that we got things up and running. We learned what we liked, what we didn't like, what were the holes and what weren't the holes. And it was just a matter of let's choose something, get going, build it out, and then figure out if there's something we need as we continue to mature and to grow. So I think that that's a great takeaway. Well, people do want to utilize your services. They want to become a referral from the podcast or from anywhere else, or they want to reach out to, they want to be a customer. They want to be a client. They want to be an employee. They want to be an investor. They want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above. What's the best way to reach out to you, connect with you or find out more? Best way, if you go to our website, www.croachconsulting, it's C-R-O-C-H-E, not like the bug. It's pronounced like the bug, but not spelled like the bug. Um, if you go to my our website or connect me with me on LinkedIn, my name is Caleb Broach. Um, find a way to either message me or connect on it like a free strategy session. Even if you want to become like a referral partner, add that in the notes and schedule 30 minutes. And let's talk about how you want to work with us or how we can help your business. Like we talked about on the podcast, 
it's not a way for us to sell necessarily. It's just a way to connect and find ways that we can help you improve your business. And if there's ways that we can work together, that's the most important part. So identifying those needs is important. So go to our website, schedule a free strategy session or message me on LinkedIn. I'd love to help. All right. Well, I definitely encourage everybody to reach out, connect, and uh, certainly is a, a great expertise and, and something that's uh, definitely worthwhile to, to leverage. So with that, we'll go ahead and uh, wrap up. Uh, thank you again for coming on the podcast. It's a ton of expertise. It's been fun. It's been a pleasure. Um, now, for all of you that are listeners, if you have your own expertise to share or you have your own journey to share, um, feel free to go to inventiveguest.com. Fly to be on the show. We'd love to have you. Um, also, make sure to like, subscribe, and share uh, this uh, podcast. We want to make sure that everybody finds out about these awesome episodes. And last but not least, if you ever need help with your patents, trademarks, or anything else with your business, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat. We're always happy to help. Thank you again, Caleb, and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thanks, Tim. Have a great one.